here we are. Hey, welcome everyone to yet another episode of Sass and Nosh with Alex and Kim. I'm Kim. And I'm Alex. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. I believe, what are we calling this, this episode? Teacher, teacher. Teacher, teacher. Teacher, teacher. And what were we, okay, so we were just, we were just having a conversation and we're inviting all of you listeners to come and sit with us. Um, uh, But um, so go get some water, maybe take a stretch and then come back in a second and, and join us for our conversation. Okay, Alex, let's talk about teacher, teacher, therapist, coach, friend, advisor, consultant. (laughs) That's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so to kind of put in the context for our listeners of what we were talking about. So we were talking about emotional labor and we were talking about the experience of, of providing free emotional labor for other folks. We were talking about the dynamic of what that looks like when the recipient of that labor is white and the provider of the labor is black indigenous person of color. Um, And we were talking about X kind of expectations um, and parameters around what we do and what we don't do. So so Alex, what do you, what do you want to, what do you want to share about what we were, what we were talking about? I think you summed it up really well. Um, and I would like to put some parameters on what it means to be a teacher. Here in, um, here in the United States, for the most part, being a teacher is not really valued. I mean, you know, it's, it's an okay profession and I'm noticing that the level of respect has been going down on teachers, but amongst the native communities that I move around in and amongst the culture in Mexico, the teachers are highly regarded. Elders are highly regarded. Um, Teachers aren't necessarily paid well in Mexico either, but there is a certain cachet with saying, you know, I'm a teacher, maestro, maestra. Uh, It's an important place in the community and it's regarded as such. So when you, when you are being taught by a teacher, there's certain levels of respect of, of listening and taking things in and being humble and, you know, engaged. But it's also seen as when you engage a teacher, you're also offering something in return for all of their energy. And I think this tradition is getting lost these days. Like if you're in the grocery store and you hear that somebody's a teacher, would you go up to them and say, hey, I'm trying to figure this out? No, not necessarily. Same thing, like you wouldn't necessarily do that to a doctor. Say, you know, you're in the grocery store. I got this funny thing in my ear. No, because it's not appropriate and you haven't really, you need, there's a give and take relationship. And I think people are losing the idea of give and take relationships. And I have, and I have to set better boundaries about this because 
lately, lots of people have been breaking those boundaries and cutting into my family time, cutting into time where I'm making money and they're texting me in the middle of class or podcasting, assuming that their simple question is going to be, oh, just a second while I, while I interrupt a session with somebody. I mean, I know I'm flexible, but there, there comes a point that this is really unnecessary and is really getting to a crescendo, especially in these times where you also have to keep in mind, I'm an independent contractor. I don't have a salary. So when you're buzzing in on my private, it's taking, taking my importance and my focus away from what I am doing. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think, oops, sorry. I think one thing that's, well, there's so much that's important about what you just said. Um, and, you know, one of the things, um, you know, it's about valuing you as a teacher, but I think, I think it's also, it's also, I think it goes beyond you as a teacher. I think it's value and respect you because being a yoga teacher doesn't define who you are or your worth. You know, it's like, you're a whole person and, um, you have, you have earned, you've made sacrifices for the expertise that you have and that you share with your students and with your clients. Um, and I just, you know, cause, cause I've been thinking a lot about this emotional labor aspect and, and, you know, we were talking about that. It's like, I, I try really hard and sometimes, sometimes I fail, but I try really hard. It's like, if I have a, if I have something going on in my body, or I have a question about, you know, a medicine or something like that. It's like, my first thought is, oh, I bet Alex would know. And, but it's like, I, I don't, it's like you, you are already being of service in that way. And so it's like, if it's eight o'clock at night, I'm not going to text you and say, Hey, Alex, uh, do you think I could take 14 glasses of ginger from my headache? Do you think that'll help? I'm not going to do that because it's like, you've probably been working all day. You might be working then. And if you're not, it's probably, you know, probably be nice to have some chill out time. Right. Um, and, and I like to think that I save my questions for when we're having a session, a private session, or we're in yoga class, because it's like, that's the time in which we have agreed to dedicate that work. Um, and, and I, you know, and I'm, I'm a hundred percent and I'm not saying this because, you know, it's like, well, I'm better than anybody who won't do this. That's not what I'm trying to say, but I'm just trying to say that, you know, it's like, because as a coach, I, I have the experience of, of what you are talking about too. And uh, it's like, I'm happy to be of service to someone else, but it costs me something to hold that space for a client. And I've chosen to be a coach and I have chosen to do that. So that's not the issue, but the issue is, is that I would ask people to understand that without any reciprocity, or even an offer of reciprocity, it is a one-sided relationship and that's out of balance. 
And when we get out of balance in relationship, everything is out of balance. And if you are willing to create imbalance or allow imbalance to go unaddressed, my question, here I go as coach, is to say, oh, that's interesting. Where else is that showing up in your life? That's true. And what is the impact of that imbalance and lack of reciprocity on your relationships and on the things you're trying to create and experience in your life? Right. No, it's, it's really interesting because I, I am fully yours. When you employ me, I am 110% there. That means I am bringing my classic academic learning. I am bringing my spiritual teachings. I'm bringing everything and I'm bringing my A game. I don't, I don't, I don't fuck around. But after, after that time, I need time to number one, recoup. Number two, I spend a minimum of two hours a day hitting the books. I don't know any other yoga teacher or a spiritual practitioner who does this, but I do it because I have questions that come up with clients and I am looking for the betterment of everyone. But when I'm getting a whole lot of things coming at me sideways, here, read this article or do this or do that. And it, it, it sidelines me and it takes away from what I dedicate each block of time to. Not only that, here's another thing that kind of drives me crazy. When people come at me like, hey, remember that thing you said back way back when? I'm like, yeah. Well, guess what? I read an article and it's true. And I'm like, yeah, congratulations. I don't know what you, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that information. I'm not coming out with this shit from my asshole, man. I'm doing the fucking work just because U.S. News decides to print something up or some publisher decides to publish somebody who's got these really wacky ideas for people of different bodies and that person, the author is not of a different body. I find it a bit rich. Where do you think they get that information from? I can tell you where. I can tell you how I have been used as a bank of information so other people can profit, so other people can become famous. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because nobody seems to be able to look back and say, hey, by the way, thanks for this or thanks for that. I always feel like it's like I got to prove myself every day. And I wonder if that's because, is it because I'm brown? Is it because I'm part indigenous? What is it? Is it because I'm female? But I'm quite frankly really tired of it. I know my shit. And believe me, in knowing my shit, I know there's so much more to know. But I can hold my own. So when people come at me with, oh, well, my cousin's a yoga teacher. They just did their 200 hours. and You should really take their class. First of all, I'll take it as, oh, that's really interesting. Maybe they have something to add to this, this dialogue of what is yoga. But most of all, I want to ask, well, why are you telling me that? Are you viewing me as not good enough because I'm not in a slim white body? What the fuck is that? I think, you know, 
Alex, I'm, I'm like, I'm so glad that we're having this conversation is I think a lot of there, there are going to be a lot of listeners out there who under, who totally are in the same shoes and have experienced what you've experienced. And those other listeners, my hope for the other listeners are they're going to stop and reflect on how they show up and whether they're showing up that way. And if they are reflecting on the impact. So, so there's, there's two things I want to say about what you were just talking about. One is intent versus impact. When these things happen, like somebody comes up and it's like, oh, Alex, I, I just read this article. And, you know, remember when you told, remember when you told me that thing about, you know, your neck is related to your tailbone. I totally read an article about that. And it's true. So it could be that, that the intent <laughs> It could be that the intent in me saying that is, uh, you know, oh, wow, uh, you know, I, Alex, you really know your shit. See, look, somebody else is coming behind you now, right? It could be like, it could, we could be that. On the that other hand, good. that would feel good. That would feel good, right? On the other hand, it's like the intent could be, um, you're just a yoga teacher. And so I just want you to know that, oh, I kind of get it that, you know, this is it. And here's, and here, so that's intent. We don't always know the intent behind what somebody else is doing, but what we a hundred percent know is the impact of that action on us. And so for people listening to this, this is what I want to say. When you say shit like this to people, consider your intent and how it's being received in terms of impact. Because this is this is how we become trauma-informed, resilience-oriented people, is when we pause and say, Alex's experience as a, 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 a BIPOC woman in the world may be such that if I say to her, oh, this doctor published a yoga book, isn't that interesting? I need to be aware enough to say that might cause Alex to feel some way. So why is this important for me to engage Alex on this issue? If you figure all of that shit out before you approach the situation, you are being trauma-informed, resilience-oriented, and not actually an asshole. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, we could, probably will get, I might get some heat for that. And that's fine. That's fine. But, but, but the other part of that, I think, is also... You know what you were saying about, um, you know, people coming at you and it's just like, do this, do this, give me this, give me this, give me this. You know, one of the things that I know is true is, is your commitment to being of service to people and your commitment to make accessible those tools and resources and medicine that help people. That's, that's your commitment. And so I feel like that commitment often rubs up against people taking advantage and wanting the freebies. And I just, you know, I want to, I just kind of want to acknowledge that, it, you know, you can be committed to accessibility and healing and help and get paid for it. <laughs> Ooh, and you get to do both. Yeah. 
you specifically, me specifically, all of our BPOC women, we get to do both. We get to have our commitment and get paid for our labor in whatever that looks like. If I, if I can't afford to pay you for 20 minutes of your time to answer a body question, if I don't have the cash, I'm going to bring you something. It might be tobacco. Maybe it'll be sage. Maybe it'll be a six pack of beer. Maybe I'll make you my Kalatura noodles. I don't know, but, but it's like, it's that reciprocity. And, and I just feel like, especially like with what we've been seeing in the last year of our life, one of the things that's really standing up is clear is that BPOC folks were, are not doing this for free anymore. We're not. Stop asking. Stop asking. And if you want to be an ally, this is what you do. You be, you be a relative to your BPOC folks. You listen to them. You take it in. You do your own work. You support, how can I help? That's your question. Not what can I do for you in terms of how can I save you and fix it? Your question is how can I support you so you can do what you need to do? That's your question. And then you shut up and you listen. The other way that you get to be an ally is when you are called out or you are called in, you do not center your butthurt feelings about that accountability. You are quiet, you are quiet, you reflect and then what you do is you go back to your own neighborhood and you have a conversation with your own neighbors. You don't come back to my house and tell me about why you're hurt and how you're somehow gonna punish because of that. That's not being an ally. That's doubling down on the privilege. Yeah, because we don't wanna deal with your anger or how, you, how it's landing with you if you've been called in or out. Do your own work, don't put it back on our plates of having to soothe your feathers. And, and that's when we're taught, and that's what we're talking about in terms of emotional labor is we're trying to process our trauma, our experience, our, our unresolved ancestral trauma, intergenerational trauma. We're processing and we're trying to heal that on our own. There's not capacity for us to have to babysit yours. And by the way, it is, it is this generational shit that has become institutionalized. That's why we're all here. My ancestors didn't create racism or anti-Semitism. They didn't, they didn't create, you know, I had, my white relatives were fucking sharecroppers. They were poor, dirt fucking poor. That's where I come from. So it's just like, it's like they weren't even, you can even call them working class. <laughs> And it's like, it's like, you know, we didn't create this and yet we're walking around dealing with the impacts of that. And now you want us to come and pat you on the head and say, oh, we're really, you know, we know you didn't mean to be hurtful. You go do your own work. That's what being an ally is. That is what it means to be, to, to take on your own emotional labor. And here's the other thing I'm going to say about being an ally. I really appreciate that there, is a, there are a lot of folks and organizations right now that are taking their, that are making a commitment and taking very seriously a commitment to become more equitable and more inclusive. Yes, do that. And if you're gonna, if you are going to get help 
from folks in that endeavor, please do that too. I'm going to suggest you find the Black Indigenous people of color who've been doing that and you pay them to do that. Don't hire a white PhD who wrote a book about it. I'm not saying that that person doesn't have value, but what I'm saying is if you really wanna be equitable, if you really wanna show up in your commitment to equity, anti-racism, anti anti all the isms then what you do is you put you literally put your money where your mouth is hire the folks that have been doing the work i made myself tired a little bit do we still have listeners at this point <laughs> did we get too fired up i are we okay i'm okay sorry just, i just 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 you know about hiring um, black women for, for doing this ally work. My biggest recommendation is Catrice M. Jackson. She, she has this methodology called Catriceology. She's an anti-racism speaker, educator, and author. She will clean the pipes on, on this toxic stuff. And one of her books that is phenomenal is white spaces missing faces and also antagonists advocates and allies pick up those two books on amazon and she's got workshop she is she's by far for me the, the maximum on this work so so one of the books was white spaces missing faces and what was the other one the other one is called antagonists advocates and allies And she also writes books for people of color, um, how to, you know, fortify yourself, stay strong in the face of white supremacy, which white supremacy is everywhere, especially right now. We're recording this New Year's. So the diet industry is on fire with all of their messed up messages. And that's white supremacy right there. It shows the level of misogyny, but I diverge in capitalism and, uh, and that's, you know, and that's something that I, that I want to say, you know, so, so we, we started to unload and unpack a lot of stuff. So I, I want to kind of go and like, sort of tie it all up. So, so one thing value teachers. Yes. Respect their time, respect their privacy, respect what they put into their work. They're not just you know, dreaming shit up. I mean, and I would say respect, yeah, respect teachers, coaches, mm -hmm. and healers, healers and elders. I'm going to throw elders in there. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's like, it's like respect each other. Understand that when you are receiving something, it indeed, it a hundred percent is a gift that doesn't mean it should be a free gift. Just as somebody, you know, it's like when, when, you know, somebody brings me, my birthday's coming up, right? So it's like, it's like anybody who's going to bring me a piece of chocolate, that's a gift that I'm going to receive. I'm not going to just take it and go in the house and slam the door shut and go hide in my secret chocolate closet and eat it. I mean, there's, there's that gratitude and the reciprocity of, um, sentiment 
right? Thank you. I so appreciate this. Recognizing you drove over to my house in the middle of a pandemic and you put a mask on and gloves to deliver me this piece of chocolate, right? It's like, that's the reciprocity the reciprocity. It is, you know, there's a thousand ways it could be, you know, Hey, what can I offer you? You know, you just did me this favor, you know, for the umpteenth time this year, you drove me to urgent care so I can make sure I'm not having a stroke. Can I give you gas money? Hey, you know, I know you've been working really hard and you took time to do this. Can I get you and your, can I, you know, send over a, a Grubhub delivery for you and your family? Yeah, or sometimes just delivering whatever it is that you have that you can offer in a good way for what has been given to you. Because it's not, it's not always about the thing. It's no. about, it's about that energy, right? So, so, so we value your teachers, coaches, um, healers, and elders reciprocity, reciprocity, reciprocity. Um, the other thing that we talked about was stop expecting emotion, free emotional labor from black indigenous people of color. Just stop it, stop it. Um, allyship, allyship looks like no matter how uncomfortable or difficult it is, you do not get to center yourself when called out or called in. Your job is to listen. Your job is to reflect. Your job is to get support from your support network, not from me. Um, and last but not least, I think what I heard, what did I, what, there was so much. Um, allyship, centering, oh, allyship, real allyship is putting your money where your mouth is. Yes. Did I get it all? That was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. I feel like we have more to say, but I feel like that also, uh, we're going to do a part two. Yeah. We're going to do a part two. We're going to do a part two for that. Um, before, uh, before we wrap up, do we have Nosh? I just had a white bean soup from Arizona. There, in Arizona, there are people on reservations growing beans in a good way from ancient bean stalks. So- Yummy. Out Yuma, Arizona, they have native land beans, and that's what I enjoyed. That sounds good. I, my nosh, I had to like, I've been busy since I got up this morning. Um, and uh, I, I, I just, I inhaled a snack before I got on here, but um, I have, so I've been, here's my nosh. My nosh is. I'm showing Alex what this is. It's a candy. It's it's called Chimes Ginger Chews. And these particular ginger chews are peppermint ginger chews. And um and I'm sitting here, I'm drinking my ginger tea to go along with it. And um and I learned something. So ginger is fabulous for a lot of things. It helps your tums, your tum tum when it's upset. Um, it warms you up. Mm -hmm. um, helps digestion. Um, it's an anti-inflammatory. And um, I just read last week um, that there have been studies and, this, and it's weird because Western medicine doesn't really value stuff like this. So I was surprised to see that there are a number of studies that show 
that ginger is a preventative for migraine. And um, so there are a number of migraine doctors out there that as part of a, reg a regime, regiment, regime, we're not dictators here. As part, of, as part of a routine, a preventative routine for migraine, they are prescribing between 500 and 1,000 milligrams of ginger daily. And so, and, and people, depending on how your stomach can tolerate it, some people are taking capsules, some people are taking an NT. Um, but I do find that these ginger chews um, do help when I'm, when I'm starting to get one. Um, they do calm my tummy. Um, but I, I doubled down when I saw these peppermint ginger ones, because I was just like, well, peppermint does the same thing. So we're going to really take care of the problem. Um, and they're sweet and spicy, kind of like me. <laughs> they're sweet and spicy, kind of like me. So I've been sitting here kind of gnawing on one as we talk. Uh, so that's my nosh. Um, ginger so the, chewed. The science of that is that ginger actually dilates your blood vessels, allowing for greater flow. Ladies so, and gentlemen, <laughs> go ahead. Say that again? Go ahead. I'll, I interrupted you and I'm sorry. The, that's why it's 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 one of the most preferred um, spices and herbs to be using in the winter time because you know a tradition most traditions have like especially in Europe will have um, spiced wine one of the major ingredients is ginger because it helps open up the blood bl uh, the veins and so if you're suffering from frostbite or things like that or really cold nose it helps quicken the, the response of your blood circulation. Sorry, I got it stuffed in my teeth. <laughs> what was well, everyone, so thank you for joining us for yet another episode of Sassanash with Alex and Kim. Uh, you know, we really appreciate you listening and here's where you can find us. You can find uh, Sass and Nosh. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram, Indigenous Sass and Nosh. Check us out. Alex is, she's at alexvyogi.com is her website. And Alex, Y, V, F. I did it. Alex, Y, V, F on Instagram. And um, I am at Heart River Coaching heartrivercoaching.com and also heart the heart river at um on instagram thanks for listening everybody and thank you and we're coming from kumiai territory also known as san diego california thank you to you your ancestors and to all beings may you all feel peace love and happiness mm -hmm. See you next time, everybody.